The information contained in this podcast is general in nature and is not to be taken as financial or personal advice. It does not consider your objectives, financial situation or needs. You should consider whether this information is suitable for you and your personal circumstances before acting on it. Hi, and welcome to The Home Run, your guide to buying your first home in Australia. On this show, I'll walk you through the home buying process from every angle. We cover the steps to take, the pitfalls to avoid, and the answers to all your questions you've been dying to ask. No matter what stage you're at, you'll learn everything you need to know about buying your first home. I'm your host, Michael Nasser, and I'm a mortgage broker at Lens Street. And I really love helping people buy their first home. Today, we're talking to Zaina Tuma. Zaina is a solicitor and has had a long legal career. She now runs her own business, specializing in property law. And on today's episode, she'll take you through the role of a solicitor in a property purchase. You'll hear what the difference is between a solicitor and a conveyancer, how to avoid potential pitfalls when purchasing a property for the first time, and she'll answer that question, what is stamp duty anyway? All right, let's jump in. So I guess without further ado, uh, let's get started and essentially started off by getting to know you and, and how you started out and I guess how you got to where you are today. I started out as a lawyer and I was admitted in 2000. So I've been working as a lawyer now for 21 years, which has gone really quickly. And I've worked in lots of different companies as well as a couple of large law firms. So I've had a variety of experience in construction and building and also in commercial and working at a commercial level with various engineering companies and construction companies. I decided about eight years ago that I'd like to have my own practice, so I opened my own legal practice, and it's been a fantastic experience. Taking it a step back, for anyone who doesn't actually know, uh, what is a conveyancer? What does the term mean and, and what do they actually do? A conveyancer is a person who has had training within a conveyancing practice or within a law firm and working on sales and purchases. They've also received their certificate because they would have had to complete a two-year course to get their certificate. They are a certified conveyancer. A solicitor is someone who has completed a law degree, which is about a four-year degree, and the solicitor can practice not only in conveyancing and property, but in all other areas of law. Is there ever a situation in the purchasing and selling of property where you'd need a solicitor or is a conveyancer and a solicitor both going to get the job done when it comes to the purpose of buying and selling property? The conveyancer will get the job done in exactly the same way that the solicitor will when you're buying and selling your property, yes. For the first home buyer, what things do they need to consider when they start out considering using a conveyancer? They need to check with the conveyancer if they have had experience with first home buyers. There are special exemption documents that need to be prepared for stamp duty and for stamping in New South Wales and in Queensland. So they just need to check with the conveyancer that they have experience in working with first home buyers. 
And that's a question as a broker we get asked quite a little bit. First home buyer grants, it's a very big part of the process for a first home buyer and understanding those grants and understanding what's available to them is critical. And a lot of the times when they ask me, I'll be like, you need to speak to a solicitor or a conveyancer about those particular grants or offerings. Obviously, we're familiar with them, but in terms of stamp duty and understanding how that works and when it's payable, that's definitely the space of the conveyancer. So I guess for a first home buyer, what are the types of grants that are available? So in New South Wales... There is a what they call a first home buyer stamp duty exemption or concession. If you are a buyer and it's the first time you've bought a property in Australia or even overseas and you are an Australian or an Australian permanent resident, then you would be eligible for the stamp duty exemption if the property that you're buying is $650,000 or less. That means you would pay no stamp duty at all and your conveyancer will assist in preparing those stamp duty exemption forms. If you are a first home buyer and you're buying a property up to $800,000, then you will pay some stamp duty but it will be at a discounted rate and your conveyancer can advise you on what that discounted rate would be. If you're buying a property that is a new property, then you would be, if it's a new property, it's let's say it's just been completed and nobody has ever lived there before, you can get an exemption from paying stamp duty if the property is up to $800,000. So if it's, let's say, a new off-the-plan property and it's just been completed, you will not pay any stamp duty if it costs up to $800,000. If I take it back to the stamp duty, what actually is stamp duty? I know it's it's payable. What is it? I'm buying stamps with it. What's the actual duty for and how does that work? That's a good question, Michael. Stamp duty is a tax that the New South Wales government and Queensland government charge for the transfer, which is a sale or a purchase of a property in that state. And it's calculated on a scale basis and the New South Wales and Queensland governments have those scales and they actually have online calculators where you can go online, put in the sale price and it will tell you what the stamp duty is in that state. But again, if you're a first home buyer and you're exempt, you'll need help from your conveyancer to put into the correct first home buyer calculator the sale price to understand if you're going to be exempt from paying stamp duty or if you will have to pay a discounted rate of stamp duty. I want to jump into the actual property transaction. A contract of sale, what is that? A contract of sale is the agreement between the buyer and the seller about the terms of the contract. And those terms have to include the sale price. It also includes the settlement period. So how long before The buyer becomes the legal owner of the property, is determined by when they pay the deposit and then when they pay the remainder, the balance, at settlement. And settlement is the day on which you pay the balance of the deposit plus your stamp duty plus any other disbursements that you might incur. So the contract of sale sets out the sale price, the settlement period or the settlement date It tells you who the agent who sold the property. It tells you 
the address of the property and the location of the property. Sometimes it may also tell you if there are any what they call rights or encumbrances, which is a legal term for things registered on the property, such as an easement or a right of way. The contract will give you the description of the property, the price, the settlement period. It will name who the buyer is, who the vendor is, who the agent is. So it's got all the critical details that need to be, I guess, examined and assessed and determined as to whether that purchase is going to be right for you. You you mentioned some terms there that we hear quite a lot, and and I I guess maybe a little bit of an explanation as to what they are. What is exchange and what is settlement? And at what point do they occur? Yes, so exchange is when you pay the deposit of 10% and you sign the contract and the vendor signs a counterpart of that contract and it's what the word exchange arose because the vendor's contract and the purchaser's signed contract are in fact exchanged. So if I'm acting for you as the purchaser, I will receive the vendor's signed and dated copy and the vendor solicitor will receive your signed and dated copy of the contract and the agent will hold the 10% deposit in their trust account until settlement. In terms of cooling off with the sale of contract, is there a cooling off period? And if so, how does that work? There is a cooling off period in New South Wales. It's a period of five business days, but you do have to ask the vendor if they will agree to exchanging the contract with the five business days cooling off period. It is not an automatic right. It has to be agreed between you and the vendor. So let's say exchanges happen, cooling off has occurred, we're all good. We're going on then to that final point, which is settlement. And I guess settlement is when everything's paid out and that then represents the finalisation of the transaction. That's true. So once you're ready to proceed. So if you have got your finance approved and you're ready to proceed to settlement, then your conveyancer will start preparing all the documents and those documents will include the stamp duty, first home buyer exemption forms and other forms. And at settlement is when you pay the balance of the sale price, which is usually 90% balance, plus your stamp duty or you won't pay stamp duty because you'll be exempt. And Settlement is when the purchase is complete, yes. So if we look at the contract itself, what other things other than the contract of sale does the purchaser need to be mindful of? Yeah, that's a good question, Michael. The first home buyer would get their conveyancer to send them a written advice about what is actually in the contract. There may be some other terms that the first home buyer will have to consider And those terms around what happens if the buyer is late in settling. So in New South Wales, if the buyer does not settle on the correct settlement date, the buyer will have to pay a penalty of up to 12% interest on that 90% balance owed. So your conveyancer will tell you those penalties and those terms and conditions that are in the contract that are going to impact you before you get to settlement 
and even after settlement. So that's if the person buying the property can't fulfil that settlement date and has to delay it for whatever reason, there's going to be a fee incurred. Is it every day? Yes, so it's a maximum 12% interest for every day. And the other time frame in New South Wales is that the purchaser can only be late for up to 14 calendar days. And let's say the purchaser is late more than 14 calendar days in settlement, the vendor can terminate the contract and keep the 10% deposit and resell the property to some other buyer. Now, if that resale price is less than what the first buyer paid, the vendor can actually sue that first buyer for the difference in the sale price. Wow. Again, this just goes to point as to how important it is to have a conveyancer walk you through these particular points and guide you through these so you are mindful because I could only imagine at what stage would you get advice uh, in terms of a contract that when is too early and when is too late? When you see a property that you like, you should ask the agent to send you the contract. And if it's a house, you need to ask the agent to send you the building pest report. If it's a unit, you need to ask the agent to send you a strata report. You need to send those reports and the contract to your conveyancer if you are interested in the house before you go to the auction or before you make an offer if there is no auction. It's really important that your conveyancer advises you on the contract before you go to the auction or before you make an offer. Some conveyances do charge a fee to review and advise on contracts. Others don't. So you can certainly ask around and find a conveyancer who will not charge you for reviewing and advising on contracts. The reason is that you may miss out at the auction the first time and you might end up going to several auctions, which is what happened to me. I went to many auctions because I was missing out. So it'd be nice to be with a conveyancer who is not going to charge you for every time that they have to review and advise on a contract. You mentioned two things there that I wanted to pull up on. The building and pest inspections. So is that something that's done automatically with the vendor selling the property or is that something that has to be organised from the purchaser themselves? And what is it? The reason that you have to get a building and pest report or a strata report in New South Wales is because it tells you the condition of the building if you're buying a unit and it tells you the condition of the house if you're buying a house. The reason you need to know the condition of the building or the house is because the vendor in New South Wales does not give any warranties or guarantees around the condition of the property when you're buying. So if there are any defects in the property, let's say you have a leak through the ceiling or floorboards are detaching from the floor or some other problems with the property, you will not know that until you get the building and pest report and the strata report because you need to know what condition the property is in before you sign the contract and before you pay the deposit. Because if there is a very big problem with the house that you're buying, let's say you may have to replace the roof, it may pay significant additional expense that you hadn't budgeted for. 
And so you need to know about that before you sign the contract. And do you have any examples or any stories of someone that has or hasn't done a building and pest inspection and how that's sort of panned out? Yes. So I have an example of a home buyer and he decided not to get the building and pest report. He signed the contract and paid the deposit. And after the settlement, he found that there was leaking coming in through the wall and it was coming through a part of a wall that had been renovated by the vendors. So if he had gotten a building and pest report before he signed the contract and paid the deposit, he would have been told in that report that there is leaking coming through the wall because the building inspector, they inspect all the walls, they do a very detailed inspection of the house and they can see and they also do testing on the walls to see if there is moisture or leaking coming through the walls. He had to pay for the cost of repair himself. He had no recourse, no way of claiming those costs back from the vendors who sold him the property. I mean, and that's a pretty good example as to why you'd get it done because it's better to be safe than sorry, I imagine. And if you get a building pest report before you sign the contract, then you can say to the vendor and to the agent, it's going to cost me X dollars to fix these defects that are in the building pest report. So I would like to negotiate a lower price. So it can help you negotiate a better price. Yeah, so it's a negotiation tool potentially. So it's sort of you've got a two-edged sword there. You've got the, yes, you're getting knowledge of, understanding the house is in a good condition or what condition it may be in. Uh, And if it's not, then you also then have the ability to negotiate on the price that the vendors are seeking or asking. That's correct, Michael. And if the vendors don't agree to reducing the price and you do decide to proceed with the purchase, then at least you will have an idea or you will know what the problems are in the house And you may also have an opportunity to get quotes from tradespeople to fix those defects even before you sign the contract. So you will know the cost that you're going to be incurring to fix those defects. So so you're you're being mindful of the situation and knowing what's in front of you as opposed to being surprised. So knowledge is power, they say. So that's probably an instance where that's the case. You mentioned strata reports as well. Is there a difference between a building and pest and a strata report? And if so, what, what are they? Yes, so that's a good question, Michael. A strata report is a report that you would obtain from the agent when you are buying a unit or a strata townhouse. It tells you if there are any major works being planned for the building. It also tells you what the current strata levies are that you will be paying for that unit or that townhouse every quarter and every year. The reason you want to know what major works are planned for the building is because if there are major works planned that will cost, say, a million dollars for balconies, and these are very common things that get fixed in old buildings, balconies and windows, then if there is only a, let's say, $500,000 in what we call the capital works fund of the strata, then there is a difference there of $500,000 
that the owners are going to have to raise by imposing what we call a special levy, which is additional to the strata levies. So you need to know what is being planned for the building. Am I going to be incurring additional costs if I buy this unit on top of the current strata levies? And also the strata report will tell you if there's been any problems or defects occurring within that particular unit or that townhouse. So yeah, so that's so that, that's the importance of I guess of the strata report. You mentioned a sinking fund as well, or a capital mm, works yeah. fund. So what is that? Is that something that just exists, or how does that build up? The capital works fund is a fund that is created when a building is built. The owners of those units, so the owners of the building, they establish a capital works fund, which each quarter. The strata levies that all the owners are paying, a portion of those strata levies will go into the Capital Works Fund, which is money allocated for maintenance and remediation works to the building. Putting our mind back now to the first home buyers in particular uh, and that journey that they might have, and in your experience, what are some of the main pitfalls or mistakes that you've seen first home buyers make in the conveyancing process? The main pitfalls for first home buyers, there is probably really making sure that they have their finance pre-approved or conditionally approved. Some first home buyers, they take a lot longer to get their pre-approval or their conditional loan approval because they're not up to date with their tax returns and that takes additional time to then get their loan approved. So when you go to see a conveyancer and you're a first home buyer, it would be really good that you're able to tell that conveyancer that you have your home loan pre-approved. There is a lot of documents that need to be provided to your broker, get your home loan approved. And if you have it approved or pre-approved before you go to your conveyancer, you're going to save a lot of time And you're going to save a lot of money because conveyances who will charge you to review contracts and advise will charge you additional if they have to help you get information around getting your loan pre-approved. So it's best to get your loan pre-approved with your broker and then go shopping and find those properties that you really like. Then when you find that property, you send the contract and the building and pest report or the strata report to the conveyancer so that your conveyancer does not have to spend any time helping you with getting your loan approved. Have you seen a situation where someone hasn't had finance and they've signed a contract or have you had an experience or an example that you can Um, highlight to us? Yeah, actually, Michael, I have a situation where the purchaser's loan approval had expired And the purchaser didn't realise that it had expired and they went to an auction, bought the property. They had the 10% deposit, so they were able to pay the deposit and sign the contract at the auction. And then they went back to their broker and the broker said, well, your loan approval has expired, so we need to reapply for an entirely new loan. And that meant that it took a lot longer to reapply and 
that buyer's employment circumstances had changed oh, no. between the time that they received the approval and when the loan approval expired. And it was very difficult and a lot of hard work for that broker to get the loan approved for that purchaser because the loan had expired. And then that creates a lot of pressure and it's a lot of uh, stress and yeah. uh, it's not a really happy yeah. environment. So I guess the importance of that finance is, is it being sorted out before you really look to buy something is, is quite critical. Yes. It's getting your loan approved or pre-approved before you go to your conveyancer and before you start looking for properties is probably the most important part of the conveyancing process because if your loan is not approved or if you're delayed in getting your approval after you've signed the contract or after you've been to the auction, it can cause many problems for you. And as Michael said, you may significant late fees and penalties if you're late in settling because you're still trying to get your loan approved. In terms of then three tips you'd have for first home buyers, I mean, if you're sitting next to a first home buyer and they say, Zaina, what are the three things I need to consider? What sort of advice would you be giving them? Yeah, my first advice would be spend a lot of time with your broker. Make sure you send them all the documents that they've asked for and send them quickly. And once you have your loan and then get your loan pre-approved or approved conditionally, that's tip number one. So tip number one, spend all the time that you need to get your pre-approval or your conditional approval with your broker and your broker will guide you on the documents that you need to provide them. The second tip is when you know what you can spend, what your limit is, then you can go out and start looking at properties within your price range. So do your research and if you need help to approach agents or you're not sure what the price range should be for that area that you're looking to buy, then get the help of a buyer's agent. They can shorten the process of looking. They can narrow it down to a few properties and it can be much more effective. Second is do your research on the area that you have that you can afford. And thirdly is send the contract of sale and the strata report or the building pest report to the conveyancer. As soon as you have decided that you like a property, send the contract, the strata report or the building pest report to the conveyancer. Don't delay. I think it's a very holistic approach there. Making sure your finance is sorted, get that research done. Buyer's agents obviously can assist greatly when it comes to that. I think just to make the point, Michael, that I've noticed that the main pitfall with first home buyer is firstly those two first two things you mentioned, which is the not having their finance approved and looking at properties that are outside their affordable price range. And really to try and simplify those two things is get help from your broker and do your research. If you don't have time to do your own research, then get help of a buyer's agent. Zaina, thank you very much for your time and thanks for all your insights. If uh, anyone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way that they can get in touch with you? 
Yeah, my email, it's zaina at zainatuma.com.au. Well, thanks again, Zaina. So I appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Michael, for You've been listening to The Home Run, your guide for buying your first home in Australia. This podcast was produced by Lendstreet. Lendstreet is a mortgage broker and home loan specialist that helps first home buyers find the right loan to meet their needs. We know applying for a loan can be overwhelming and complex, so we help guide and support first home buyers through the process from start to finish. To find out more, head to our website, lendstreet.com.au. We've also put a link in the show notes. To make sure you don't miss an episode of The Home Run, be sure to subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find the show. I'm Michael Nasser, and we'll be back next episode covering another step on the journey to owning your first home.